If you're here uh, visiting and you're wondering what this, uh, what Transformed is all about, that's our theme for the year. And uh, we just believe that as we open our hearts to God, that there is genuine, uh, life-changing change that can happen because of what God can do in our lives. And that's the theme that we feel God wants us to press into this year. And so what we're going to look at this morning may be an area that God wants to begin to transform you in. That he wants to speak to your heart this morning, and he wants to begin to bring a change in that area of your life so that you can walk in greater freedom. You can walk in greater blessing that God has for you. The title of our series is on your bulletin, and it's, uh, it's called Sticks and Stones. Um, this brings us back to the old familiar schoolyard saying that you've heard before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And the idea behind that is you can, there's a physical way you can bring harm to my body, but that's the only way you can do damage to me. And we know that that's just not true. In fact, the places of deepest woundedness in our lives are wounds uh, of words that have been spoken over us, or perhaps actions, maybe not physical harm, but actions that have been uh, wounding to us, that have wounded us deeply. And this morning we're going to look at how God wants us to walk in a way that we don't begin to fall into some traps that the enemy has for us. And the trap that we want to look at this morning, begin to look at over the next four weeks or so, is avoiding the trap of offense. Avoiding the trap of offense. How many of you are in a life group that are studying the bait of Satan? Can I see your hands really quickly? A number of you. That book, uh, in, in part, is, is what we're going to cover. Some of what I studied was found in that book, and it's called The Bait of Satan. And the idea is this, that there is a trap that the enemy would love for you and I to step into, and it's the trap of taking offense. It's that trap of, of picking up offense towards someone, and then beginning to carry that around. I wonder if you were on your way uh, this afternoon to a particular uh, a hike down a path, uh, and unbeknownst to you, there were some traps that were laid along that path. Would you not hope that someone would come to you and say, listen, I hear that you're on that path today. Did you know that there are some traps that are set that you need to avoid? And this is how you can avoid them. This is the trap, and this is how to avoid it. Would you not want that? Of course you would. In Scripture, we find these moments where uh, we are reminded that the enemy does try to lay traps in our way. And as we are walking, following God, walking along that path of faith, that he will try to ensnare us and keep us from moving forward down that path of faith. We know as well that any time that you begin to make progress in the Lord, any time you begin to mature and begin to have a greater hunger for God, the enemy isn't just going to let that happen without trying to put up a fight. He does not want you to mature in the Lord. He does not want you to become stronger in your faith. He does not want you to understand new things about how God works in your life so that you can step into new places of freedom. He doesn't want that for you at all. In fact, what he wants for you is he wants to steal and to take back ground that God has, has uh, given you in your life. He wants to destroy anything that may, that may speak of God's goodness in your life. And so I, I was thinking that as a church family, I'm so encouraged by the stories that I'm hearing of God's goodness 
in your life, of how God is doing some good things in our church family, of how we're sensing the presence of God in our gatherings, and I believe there's a growing hunger. And so part of why we're going down this journey about this trap of offense is that the enemy will try to hinder what God is doing. And so we don't need to be afraid, we just need to be aware. How many of you have heard that saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? And I believe that's the same in our walk as well with the Lord, that equipping goes a long way to help us to avoid the traps that the enemy sets for us. As a church family, as we're experiencing the work of God in our lives, and as we know the enemy will try to hinder that, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And so we're simply to be aware of the enemy's schemes. Not afraid, but aware. And so Peter comes, in First Peter, we come to this thought where Peter says, as Christians, we need to be alert and sober-minded. He begins to remind us that there's an enemy that is, that is against us, that is not happy with what God wants to do in our lives. And so he says, in light of that, be alert, be sober-minded. The message translation puts it this way. Don't get caught napping. I was thinking about that. You know, the, the opposite of being alert is napping, right? So if you are napping, you are not alert. Unless you're a parent that has a sixth sense, right? And at the slightest little noise, you wake up. But now, if you're napping, you're not alert. If you're alert, it means you're not napping. You are aware of your surroundings. And so Peter begins to talk to a group of people. This is their situation. Their situation is that they are suffering. And the reason they're suffering is because they've taken a stand for God. They have decided to follow Jesus, and they are being persecuted because of that. And in that context, Peter says, be alert and be sober. Why? Be sober-minded. Because your enemy is prowling around looking for someone that he can devour. And I believe what Peter is, is helping us to remember this morning is that the enemy will look for a circumstance in your life that he can begin to exploit for his purposes. And so to this group of people that were suffering for their faith, he says, remember, the enemy might try to use that circumstance in your life, he may try to use that, that suffering, that difficulty, and he may try to begin to tempt you to falter in your faith. So be aware of this. Here's an opportune moment that the enemy may try to use in your life. So be alert. Resist what the enemy tries to do. Stand firm in your faith. And so he reminds us that the enemy looks for opportunities. And so this concept of being alert and sober-minded is important to us in our walk with God. In military terms, sometimes you hear the term, you know, the army is on high alert. And what that simply means is they are anticipating that this could be a moment where the enemy tries to strike and tries to do harm in, in, their, in their situation. In your walk with God, there will be moments where the enemy will use an opportunity to try to harm you. And so he, he simply looks for opportunities. Do you remember when Jesus uh, had been tempted by the devil for 40 days? And scripture says this in Luke, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until an opportune time, until the next opportunity came. And so just be reminded this morning that we are to be alert to that fact that the enemy looks for opportunities in your life to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that opportunity may come in a moment of suffering and discouragement. That opportunity may come when things are going well. And he, he may try to use that opportunity to distract you 
right, to begin to get your heart off of God and onto other things. But make no mistake, the enemy looks for opportunities. And so then in 2 Corinthians, we find Paul kind of along the same lines. He says this. He says, we don't want Satan to outsmart us. This is the passage of Scripture that we find this in. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive, Paul says. Was there anything to forgive? If so, I have forgiven it for your benefit, knowing that Christ is watching. What is happening in this passage of Scripture? Well, there's someone in that church family, in the Corinthian church, that has had to, had to be disciplined for, for some ungodly behavior. They have repented. They've realized that that was wrong. And then Paul is saying, okay, now it's time to offer them forgiveness. Don't continue to hold that against them. And Paul says, is there, is there anything to forgive? Well, I've forgiven that person as well. I will not hold it against them either. And then he says this, we do not want to be outsmarted by the enemy. What would it look like to fall into the enemy's trap in that circumstance? It would look like this. I refuse to forgive that person. I am going to harbor unforgiveness toward that person for what they have done, because perhaps what they did brought pain into my life. And in that context of relationship, Paul is saying, don't, don't fall into that trap. Do not get outsmarted by the enemy, because make no mistake, he will try to tempt you to harbor unforgiveness in your heart. That will be an opportunity. An opportunity where you have been wounded is an opportunity where you need to be alert. And you need to know the enemy will look for this as an opportunity to outwit me, to outsmart me, to cause me to make choices that don't glorify God, but, but, but that bring greater um, bondage in my life. And so Paul is saying, we know how the enemy works. Let us not be outsmarted. Let us not be outwitted. Let us be alert in our sober mind, Peter says. You know, most of the time, all the enemy has to do is just kind of nudge us in a direction of, of our own tendency, and we do the rest. Have you found that to be true? Uh, I was thinking of an example of sitting at the top of a hill, and, and uh, here's a picture of this, this little girl. She's pointed in the direction of this hill. She's sitting on maybe the edge of a toboggan. You can't quite see what it is. And parents, you've been in this situation, and your, your, little, your, your son or your daughter looks over their shoulder at you, and they say, Mom, Dad, can you give me a push, right? You've probably been there at some point in your parenting journey. And you know that all you have to do is just give them a little nudge. you just got to get them started. And then gravity takes over and they go screaming down the hill. You do not have to chase them all the way down that hill to try to keep them moving in that direction. They're gone. And one of the ways that enemy, the enemy works in our lives is he finds tendencies in our lives, things that we have not yet surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, and some area of our life is pointed in a direction that is not healthy, it's not surrendered to the Lord, and he just gives us a little tap. And someone said, uh, said it this way, next slide, thank you. Sometimes all it takes is a tap in the direction of our tendencies, and we're off down the hill, screaming all the way. And so the enemy is subtle. And that's why it's so important when God begins to speak to our hearts about something in our lives, a tendency that is not godly or righteous or pleasing to God, if we refuse to bring that under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allow Him to bring freedom in that area, that becomes an opportune place 
for the enemy to work. And often all he has to do is give you a little tap in that direction and you're off down the hill. And so it's so important. We heard that this morning from, from Kathy's word to us. If there are areas of sin in our lives, we need to come and confess them before the Lord. And say, God, this is an ungodly tendency in my life. My heart is prone to wander in this area. I want to submit it to the Lordship of Jesus and allow God to bring freedom in that area so that it's not an area where the enemy can take an opportunity to get us off track. And so there's tendencies that we all struggle with. Maybe you have a tendency toward being oversensitive. And perhaps because of wounds of your past, anything that someone says can be taken the wrong way and then you begin to hold a grudge. And you need to just say, God, I bring that under your lordship this morning. Perhaps it's a tendency towards shifting blame. And it's very difficult for you to accept responsibility in a situation where you know you've contributed to the problem. And yet it's so hard to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And your tendency may be to blame. The enemy will exploit that in your life until it comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ. There may be a tendency toward anger or a tendency toward distraction or in terms of where we're going this morning in scripture, maybe you have a tendency toward being easily offended and the enemy will lay that trap in your path over and over and over again. And so one of the strategies of the enemy, let's press into that for a moment this morning, one of the strategies of the enemy is to get us to take offense with one another. And the enemy loves to get us to the place relationally where we are in conflict with one another, where we take offense and then that, that there's that wall that starts to be built in that relationship. You know, it's not uncommon for something very small to begin to grow into something big in our relationships. Have you ever been there? Somehow you're offended by something that someone has said. It may be that they don't even know that they have offended you. They have no idea, and yet it begins to grow in you. And that wall gets a little higher and a little higher, and, and you begin to carry with you some resentment toward that person. And that relationship slowly begins to become unhealthy. It's not uncommon, unfortunately, for someone to leave the church because of an offense. And something is said or done, or a decision is made, and they pick up offense in that moment. And eventually it comes to the point where they walk away from, from the church family and they distance themselves. This is a trap that the enemy will try to lay in front of you and I again and again and again. What are some examples of that? How does that look in the, in the context of a church? Well, it may be feeling that the church has let me down. And perhaps we begin to fall into that trap that Instead of remembering that the church is you and I, the church is not an institution that owes us something. The church is made up of people who walk in relationship and you journey with one another. Perhaps you're tempted to take offense because there was a need that wasn't met by the church the way that you expected it to be met. And you begin to take offense. You pick that up. And it starts to become something that the enemy can use. Perhaps we're tempted to take offense because of the lack of recognition. And any time that we serve our brothers and sisters in the context of a church family, our motives need to be simply this. I'm serving God with my talents and my ability, 
And I want to just love God and love others, and I'm going to serve with that motive. And if we're not careful, we can begin to take offense if we're not recognized, perhaps in the way we feel we should have been recognized. And it may start small, but it can grow in our lives if we pick up that offense. Perhaps we're tempted to take offense when our preferences aren't chosen in a church family. Have you been there? It should be done this way. They should have chosen that color for the carpet. My personal interest or my personal focus isn't one that the church has taken on. And it should be. And we begin to take offense. There are so many ways that the enemy can just tempt us to begin to take up offense with one another. And it begins to have an effect. Exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to divide us. He wants to begin to create distance in our relationship. And perhaps uh, we get to the point where we just walk away. Maybe you've been offended by God in some way in your life. And you think, God, you are not coming through with your side of the bargain. You're not. You know, we sang that song this morning that says, God, you are perfect in all of your ways. And there's a mystery at times to why God does or doesn't do something in our life that we've been praying for. But perhaps this morning your offense isn't with someone, it's with God. And you have taken up offense, and there is a resentment that is built up in your life. And we can be honest with God in those moments. But with God's help, we can avoid the trap of offense. And over the next several weeks, we're going to explore this a little bit. So what does it mean to be offended? What does it mean to be offended? Well, that word can be used in different contexts. It can be used in the context of the law. If you have broken the law for the first time, someone might say, well, that was your first offense. And so it can be used in that context, in a legal sense. It can be used in a sports context. How many of you will be watching the Super Bowl next Sunday? Some of you will. And um, there's a, there are two teams next Sunday, New England Patriots, Philadelphia Eagles, the team that has the better offense may be the team that has the advantage. And so we can use it in that context. But in the context of relationship, which is what we're interested in today, to take offense means that someone has said something to you, or there's been an action, they've done something to you that has caused resentment, or maybe it just begins with annoyance, or anger, or irritation. You feel upset, you are not a happy camper, as the saying goes, you may feel that you have been wronged, and you may have been wronged, or it may be a figment of your imagination. It may be an oversensitivity. It could be either one of those things. But that person has hurt you in some way, intentionally or un unintentionally, and you are offended, and you pick up that offense toward that person, and you begin to carry it around. One of the marks of the last days is that this tendency to take up offense with one another is going to increase. It's going to increase. I don't think I'm too far off in saying that most of us in this room this morning would agree that we are, we are close to the second coming of Jesus. And, and Jesus said, you don't know the days or the times, but there's going to be some signs that begin to tip us off to the point where, to that fact that God is coming again, Jesus is coming again soon. And in Matthew 24, Jesus is answering the question. His disciples said this, how do we know when you're coming again? I, I heard again recently about this doomsday clock. Have you heard of that? 
I think it was invented in, I don't know, 50s or 60s or something like that. And there's a group of people that are trying to predict, you know, when is the moment when the, the world is going to end? When is that moment when someone hits the button for, for nuclear warfare and just obliterated it? And um, I think they've moved that time clock a little bit closer to midnight. And so Jesus' disciples, they were curious. When is midnight going to be here? Jesus, when are you going to come back? Jesus had been telling them, I'm going, but I'm going to come back. And so he begins to tell them some signs. And listen to what he says in Matthew 24. I think I have this for you. And then many will be offended. This is one of the signs of the end times. Many will be offended. They will betray one another. And they will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So Jesus begins to tell us one of the signs of the end times is that this tendency to take up offense is going to increase. And you know, I think it's happening. That there are, there are so many instances where, where it's easy for us to pick up offense toward one another. I'm offended by, by that person or by their action or by what I read in the newspaper or by what I saw on Facebook. And, and this, is, this is the atmosphere, this is the climate that is going to mark the close return of Jesus. And so Jesus said a great number of people will be offended. There's going to be this greater tendency toward offense as we get closer to Jesus' return. And you know what's actually fairly sobering about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus was talking about the church here. He was talking about those within the church. He was talking about those who are journeying a journey of faith together. And he said, there is going to be a greater temptation for us to begin to pick up offense and to step into that trap. John Bevere in that book, The Bait of Satan, I encourage you to, uh, to get a copy and begin to read that. It's so helpful. But it begins to show us how this progression of offense can, can take place in our lives and how we see this unfold in Matthew 24. And he says it begins this way, where someone is offended and they begin to build a wall. Proverbs 18, 19 says this, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Have you been in that situation where you realize someone has been offended by something that you have said? And it takes a lot of effort and work to restore that relationship. There's something about offense that makes it hard for us to let go of it. We want to justify staying in that place of being offended. And probably it's because we want to punish that person for a little while. It's too easy to forgive them. No, they're going to, they're going to be punished for a while. And I'm going to hold on to that offense. So scripture just simply says, yeah, in that place of offense, it is difficult for a relationship to be restored. Not impossible, but difficult. And so a fortified city, John Bigger says, you know, what, is, what is a strong city? A strong city is a city that has walls built around it. And, and often what happens is when we choose to take up offense, we begin to build walls around ourselves and those walls are designed to protect us. Walls uh, that we begin to build relationally are walls that are designed to keep people out who we believe are against us or that may harm us. And so John says that as we begin to build these walls, often these walls are simply in our mind. 
And they become strongholds, they become patterns of thinking, where we begin to think, you know, everyone is against me, or they're against me, or perhaps that person is against me. And because we've taken up offense, we begin to build walls of protection. And then that begins to become a place where we are vulnerable for betrayal. And John says, you know, that, that, that word betrayal, we think of, uh, you know, Judas betraying Jesus. We think of these, these monumental moments where we think, I would never do that. I would never betray someone who I am in relationship with. But listen to the, the, the context and the, the, the uh, sense of that word betrayal as we read it here. Betrayal is when I seek my benefits or my protection at the expense of someone that I have relationship with. Read that again for you. Betrayal is when I seek my benefit or my protection at the expense of someone that I have a relationship with. So as we begin to see this progression, Jesus teaches us that as we take up offense, that causes us to begin to build walls, and then we begin to be willing to sacrifice a relationship because of those walls that we've built around our lives. When you build walls in your life, it's difficult to give and receive love. It's difficult to give love to someone. It's, it's difficult to receive love from someone in the way that we are meant to. And so then with those walls around our lives, we're more willing to throw someone under the bus than if those walls were not there. We're more willing to say, no, I, I have to protect myself in this instance. And so I'm willing to betray that person in the sense that I will put my protection over that relationship. And we know that there are some relationships where you have to have boundaries that are healthy. But Jesus is talking about moments where we've taken up offense and we have built walls that begin to hinder our relationship with one another. We blame, we shift responsibility. And it's difficult for us to live in relationship in a healthy way. And then the next progression is that this can lead to hate. And hate in this sense is, is the absence of love. It means to love less. And John Bevere refers to this as a vacuum that is void of love. So as, as we walk through this, this trap of offense, if we choose to take up offense, it can lead to us building walls. It can lead to us being willing to betray one another, to put our own interests ahead of the interests of others. It can lead us to a place where we're not giving and receiving love as God calls us to. And then it can lead us to this place where there really is a vacuum in our love toward one another. There just really isn't an agape love, a, a self-sacrificing love, a self-giving love. It's not there anymore. And it began when we chose to take up offense with someone. And remember, Jesus is talking about the church. Jesus is talking about this progression that can happen in your heart and in my heart if we choose to take offense and to carry that around. And then he reminds us that one of the marks of the last days is that there's going to be lawlessness. What does lawlessness mean? It means anything that is not submitted to the authority of God. And that can include patterns of thinking that you and I carry that are not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, and that begin, as we begin to follow those patterns of thinking, it begins to wreak havoc in our lives. It begins to cause us to build walls relationally. Because those patterns are not in line with God's truth. And so there's this progression that begins with offense that can lead 
to the strong place of relational destruction in our lives. And perhaps, church, as we begin to unpack this a bit further in the weeks ahead, God may just begin to speak to you about an area where you've picked up a fence, and He may want you, well, He does want you. He wants us to begin to know how to let that go. He wants us to know how to avoid the trap of offense that the enemy puts in our lives. And so one scripture before we close in prayer. It's Luke 17, 1, and Jesus says, It is impossible that no offenses should come. The fact of the matter is that if you're alive, if you're breathing, there's going to be opportunity for you to take up offense. If you're walking this journey of life, there are going to be opportunities where that trap of offense is in front of you, and you're going to have to make the choice, am I going to pick up that offense, or am I going to let it go and continue to walk the path ahead that God has for me? What do we do with offense? What are we going to do with those moments when we're tempted to take offense with someone? That word offended is the Greek word scandalon. And it refers to the trigger of the trap on which the bait is, is placed. If, you are, uh, if you're familiar with any kind of trap, you would know that there's a part of that trap is, is designed to take the bait. And so the bait is placed on that trap. And as soon as that, that animal takes that bait, the trap closes on them and the trap has done its work. That animal is no longer free. They're entrapped. And so when Jesus talks about this word offend, it's, it's this bait, it's this trap that the enemy lays in front of you and I. And it's a tool that the enemy tries to use to bring us into captivity. And so over the next number of weeks, we're going to begin to ask God to work in our lives in this place, in this specific area. Have you taken offense to someone? Are you carrying an offense that is hindering your walk with God and with others? Is there a tendency in your life that the enemy is using at opportune moments to just bring you back again and again and again to picking that offense up and then beginning to carry it around? I believe that God wants to set us free in those places of our lives where we have taken the bait and we have chosen to take up offense and the enemy is doing his work in our lives because of those choices. So in the journey ahead, I just ask that your heart would be open to what the Holy Spirit may want to speak to you. And I believe that if your heart is open, he's going to reveal those areas that he wants to bring freedom to. Let us not be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Let us not be outwitted by the enemy. Let us be alert and a sober mind so that we can resist the enemy's schemes and we can walk in the freedom that God has for us. Can we stand? We're going to pray. And that's, that's all we're going to cover this morning. But I'm just believing that the Holy Spirit will do a good work in us over these weeks ahead. And that he will reveal to us those areas where he wants to work. And so would you join with me in prayer as we close this morning? So Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you equip us to be aware of the enemy's tactics. That we are... We are not to fall prey to what he wants to do in our lives. And Lord, I pray that in the weeks ahead, that, that by your spirit, that you would speak to us about areas that perhaps we have been carrying offense, and maybe it's been for years, maybe it's been for decades. 
And God, you want to set us free in those areas. That we would step out of that trap that the enemy has us in. And God, that as a church family, that we would be equipped and alert and aware so that we would not fall into those traps that the enemy lays in front of us, but that we would walk ahead the path that you're calling us to journey in, that we would continue to experience your goodness in our lives. And so we invite you to do your work in us in these weeks ahead. Thank you for your word that is powerful. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in our hearts this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that as as we journey ahead, there will be stories of continued freedom and your continued goodness in us. And we ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Keep an open heart as we journey forward in this topic as a church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.